0: We are busy with our series uh, called Eternity. started two weeks ago, um, and for those of you who haven't been with us this past two weeks, the picture you see on the screen, the red represents your life on earth, and the blue represents your life you're after. We, We discovered that God placed eternity in every human heart, and regardless of what your beliefs are or where you stand with regards to God, when you hear the word eternity, there's a confrontation in your own heart. And how you are going to speak and think and live regard, regarding this? And um, I said at the beginning that if I take a pen, a ballpoint pen, and I make a little dot on the, the side of the wall, and we start drawing lines around this hall, and each one of us gets 20 minutes to draw some lines, that dot represents your life. And then all those lines represent the life you're after. That's, that's a big thought. Last week, Mark, that incredible to share with us the question of, of, are we ready for Christ's return? Beautifully shared from from the story of the, the virgins and the oil in their lamps, and five of them being ready and five not. And we're actually going to study some of the verses past that parable in the same chapter in the book of Matthew, where we're going to talk about what it looks like when Jesus comes back. So this morning, we're going to talk about an incredible topic which I'm excited about, Judgment Day. Isn't that exciting? (laughs) And when I think about the word Judgment Day, what comes to mind is a scale, and it'll be a picture up on the screen, because if you think about Judgment Day, it's all about that moment that we lived up until a certain point, and that's going to be weighed in a certain way to then determine what the life you're after is going to look like for each one of us. Now, I don't know your story, but let's have a bit of a transparent moment. If you hear the word Judgment Day, let's be honest, have you ever been hugely scared by just thinking about Judgment Day? So, anyone want to join me this morning? Yes, there's some people here with big faith. Never been scared? Have you ever been in a storm where you think, oh my goodness, Jesus is coming back today, and you do say a quick prayer to make sure that everything is okay? I had a quick discussion before the service, was someone who said that they, they grew up in Johannesburg and there was a tremor once. Um, South Africans call it an earthquake, but it's really just a tremor in comparison to what earthquakes are like. And he said it was the fastest he ever said that our father in his life when he felt this tremor. And it ended by him walking through the house and just making sure his mom and dad and everyone is still there because it might've been the rapture. And it's one of those things that, you know what? We as humans try and figure this one out. I was, as a kid, incredibly scared whenever there was a storm brewing. Grew up in Pretoria, so you've got those high felt storms, which are really scary. And sometimes, just right before or after, the, the sky goes kind of orange, as the sun is, is kind of subdued by the clouds. And it's always an eerie feeling. You know that feeling? And then I used to always tell my, my, my parents, I'm scared. Uh, if Jesus comes back today, I'm not sure. Until the day that my sister told me they're going to serve ice cream in heaven. I don't know if that's true, but it helped me settle in my heart that heaven is going to be an incredible place. Maybe you've been watching some Christian television shows that speak doom and gloom and, and focus on all the, the end time things and what's yet to come and what's currently happening and doing all the comparisons. You know what? Jesus debunked that whole thought when, when his disciples looked at him ascending to heaven and they, st- they kept staring into heaven. And they're thinking, when will he come back? And then the word said to us, it's not for you to know the times. It's for you to go and make disciples of the world. So go and do what I've put you on earth to do. So each one of us has got a context when you think about judgment day. And my my desire this morning, and we prayed into this as a team, is that you start getting excited for this day. That whatever view you have of this will be changed, so much so That you can, with eager anticipation, look towards the day that Jesus is going to come back. Can I hear an amen on that one? It is not God's heart for us to be scared when we think about this. Not at all. If you are, then my encouragement is that you would start to understand the Father heart of God. But it's clear in Scripture that there will be a day when Jesus returns. And there will be a weighing of scales. And he will look at our lives. And this week, we're going to talk about what the two measures are that he's going to look to each one of us when he sees us face to face one day. And next week, Ricky's going to share about the rewards that's ahead for us when we have lived according to these two measures. Judgment Day is going to be a day of joy. It's going to be a day of celebration. It's going to be a a day of thanksgiving for those who are ready with oil in their lamps to receive Jesus. Listen to this beautiful scripture out of Hebrews 9, verse 27 to 28. Just as it is appointed for men to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time. Not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Isn't that amazing? Christ has come The bridegroom has come and he's dealt with sin. He's paid the price. He has killed death. He now holds the keys of death and Hades in his hands. And on his return, he's not gonna come to deal with that again, but to save and rescue and deliver those who are eagerly waiting for him. And I'm excited to say this morning that I am eagerly waiting for the return of Jesus Christ. I am eagerly anticipating the day when there's a massive tremor and some gloomy skies outside and we hear the return of Jesus. I don't know what it's going to be like. I often dream about it. I often dream about heaven and the things that we're going to see there that we haven't seen today. But this scripture encourages us that Christ will appear a second time not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Do you want to be eagerly waiting for Christ? Is that you this morning? Let's pray together as we open up the word of God. Jesus, thank you that we can study your words this morning, not the ideas of man or the ideas of religion, but the words of Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you that you are the head of your church, the body, and that we can follow you wholeheartedly without holding back in any way. I pray this morning, Lord, as we study Jesus, your very clear description on what judgment day will look like to each one of us and how we will be judged in light of eternity that a hope will rise up in our hearts i pray lord where there has been fear or doubt lord that this morning you would come by your holy spirit and bring the comfort that we can eagerly await the beautiful day of your return pray lord for those of us who might have historical reasons where we've we've been attending places where where the opposite was taught and and all the fear was raised in our hearts Pray this morning, Lord, that your words would come and wash clean and set us on a new path as we eagerly anticipate the day that you return. Holy Spirit, speak in a way that you want to anoint your words this morning, and we are excited to see what that glorious day is going to be like, in Jesus' name. And we all say, amen. Amen. I titled my message this morning, Let Not Your Hearts Be Troubled in light of everything I just said. This is the words of Jesus that we're gonna study in a short while, but before that, we're gonna actually look into the gospel of Matthew where Jesus clearly sets two measures before us as humans to say, on the day that I return, this is what I'm gonna measure your life with. I wanna say this, that even though the arrival of his return will be unexpected, that just the thought of his return should stir expectation. The unexpectedness of the day that Jesus comes back shouldn't be the reason that we fear. We should be, just when we think about it, be stirred with a massive zeal and a power and a joy that the day is gonna come where the pain and the hurt and all the challenges of this world is passed through and we are gloriously with him in heaven. So what are those two measures? And that's the reason I brought a scale here. The first measure, according to Jesus, on the day of judgment is the measure between acts of religion Versus authentic relationship. So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to read these together out of our Bibles this morning. We're going to turn to Matthew chapter 7. And we're going to read three verses there, 21 to 23. If you don't have your Bibles here, write them down. I want you to go and study these words of Jesus again. So he's speaking a whole lot of truth. He's teaching them some some. Important stuff, and he says to him, to them in verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but those who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you depart from me your workers of lawlessness now if there was ever a good plot to discuss it's this one because because we go through our, our walk as christians and we're thinking you know what that person is incredibly prophetic so that's surely a sign of them being a follower of Jesus that weighs quite a lot, right? And then we see people doing amazing things, amazing works. They they, they know their Bible, they are filled with it, they can speak it, they've got words of knowledge, all these power gifts, and all these expressions of it, and they can do all these things, and then there's the driving out of demons. That's a big one, right? <laughs> when you see someone drive out a demon, you think, Whoa, that is that guy must must be incredibly, incredibly close to Jesus. And we put that on this scale, and we think those are the things that measures. But Jesus is coming and saying there's only one thing that counts, one big. I stole all these rocks from Alika's collection this morning. The only thing that's going to count on the day aren't all the religious acts, but simply knowing me. Because when you know me, we're going to study a little bit later in, in, in the Gospel of John. When you know me, you will understand the will of the Father. And all these other things are purely fruit from the root of knowing Christ. So we as Christians walk through life and we think X, Y, and Z are the ones who's got it all figured out. And you know what? X, Y, and Z might be operating in incredible power, but unless they know Jesus it is futile to their eternal destiny. It doesn't matter. He's going to come back and say, you might have done all these amazing things, but I did not know you, Pete. I did not know you, Joe. I did not know you, Simeon. I didn't, I didn't know you, and you didn't make every effort in your life to know me. Because the name of Jesus is powerful. Wherever we go and it's proclaimed, these signs will follow. The Bible is clear that the reason for these signs is for the unbelievers. So Jesus will not turn against himself that wherever his name is proclaimed, that these things won't happen. Where it is proclaimed amongst unbelievers, we will see many signs. We will see the dead rice. We will see demons being chased out. We will see prophetic words because it's a sign to the unbeliever and an encouragement to the church. He will not turn against his own name. But in the end, it's about our hearts before him. And the only judgment there, according to him and the measure is, Claude, that I know you completely. Because it's in that knowing that you will understand the will of the Father. And then the second measure we see, and Mark touched briefly on this, is out of Matthew 25, verse 31 to 46. Religious hearts, oh sorry, righteous hearts and righteous deeds. Not only did Jesus come to make our hearts righteous, but he has called us to live in a way that is righteous with the deeds that we show to the world. Christianity is not about coming to the cross and then you put pause on everything after that. Christianity and following Jesus is coming to a place where he sets you in right standing with God and then you run wholeheartedly with every single good work that he has created for you to do. That doesn't mean that your faith then becomes a work-based journey. The book of James, he says, I'll show you my faith by the works that I do. So it's not only about being righteous in his eyes and knowing him, it's then also living in accordance to what he called us to do on this earth. Revelation 19 said it so nicely last week when we discovered this truth. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous, righteous deeds of the saints. Now let's read together what Jesus said regarding this very thing. It talks about the final judgment in Matthew chapter 25, and it's a follow on the parable of the ten virgins. Jesus speaks and he says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on the right, Come, And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothed you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and he gave me no food. And these will go away into eternal punishment. But the righteous, there it is, into eternal life. Isn't that a bit of a yaw? God has come, and this is the gospel message of Jesus, that he takes unrighteous man, and because of the cross, he makes us righteous in his eyes. But then, in that moment, there is a responsibility of our, in our lives to then live according to righteous deeds. I always say this, true intimacy with Jesus will always lead to a greater passion to share Jesus. It's not just for us to be in the presence of God for ourselves. It has to be to go out to this broken world that we live in, and how much brokenness there is. If you've put on any news channel this week or followed any news on your phone, you would have seen the terrible brokenness of this world. And we as a church have a responsibility to respond according to the life of Jesus. I want to read a quick passage to you from the book Crazy Love by Francis Chan. It's one of those books that Eliana and I really enjoy reading. And I say that tongue in cheek (laughs) because it's very challenging. But she read this to me last night as she's going through this for the second time. And what he talks about here is the, the first church. And he's comparing the first church to the church today and saying, you know what, the first church didn't read the, the words of Jesus and saying, you know what, yeah, that, I hear that. that, that's right, we need to give food, and we, and, but you know what, there are these other reasons as well. And he talks about the first church just responding to whatever Jesus said. I'm going to read this to you. After the apostle Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, people were cut to the heart. And they said, brothers, what shall we do? Not just what shall we be. That's in Acts 2 verse 37. The first church responded with immediate action. Repentance, baptism, selling their possessions and sharing the gospel. We respond with words like, amen. Convicting sermon. Great book. And then are paralyzed as we try and decipher what God wants of our lives. I concur with Annie Dillard who once said, how we live our lives every day is how we live our lives. We each need to discover for ourselves how to live this day in faithful surrender to God as we continue to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Should you put your house on the market today and downsize? Maybe. Should you quit your job? Maybe. Or perhaps God, perhaps God wants you to work harder at your job and be a witness there. Does he want you to move to another city or another country? Maybe. Perhaps he wants you to stay put and open your eyes to the needs of your neighbors. Honestly, it's hard enough for me to discern how to live my own life. So I'm not going to try and discern yours. My suggestion as you think, make decisions and discern how God would have you live. And to ask yourself, is this the most loving way to do life? Am I loving my neighbor? And my God, by living here where I live, by driving what I drive, by talking how I talk, I urge you to consider and actually live as though each person you come into contact with is Christ. Jesus said, whatever you did to them, you did to me. And here he says, I want to read it again. I want you to consider and actually live as though each person you come into contact with is Christ. That's when our righteousness before God and who we are is shown to the world by what we do. Jesus said that they will know you are my disciples by your... Oh, my word, we need to do some teaching here in this church. They will know that you are my disciples by your... Thank you, that's better. For one another. Not by your preaching, not by what you say. The way you love people and reach out to this world. And these are the two measures that Christ is gonna come back and each one of our lives is gonna say, did I know you and did you live in the righteous deeds that I gave you to walk in? And based on that, we are gonna enter into eternity. So this morning, I wanna quickly have a look at where Jesus compounds these two things. And this is the gospel according to John. He had a bit of a, a different view. And this is what I love about the Bible and especially the gospels. We get four angles to get us to the truth. And it's so important to study the word in its whole. So if you want to turn with me, and it will be up on the screen, to John chapter 14. And right before that, Jesus speaks about his going away. He speaks about the eternal. He speaks about the fact that he's not going to be with his disciples much longer. longer. And then, that was very Afrikaans, much longer. The Afrikaans accent has just been voted one of the best in the world, so I'm just leaning into current culture. As, as I are reading this to you now, we will be enjoying the scriptures together. <clears throat> so he's telling his disciples that I'm not gonna be with you much longer. And they battle in their hearts and they, they're scared, just like I think sometimes we are. What's it gonna be like, Jesus? And then he addresses this and he starts with verse 1, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come once again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. We're going to look at this scripture piece by piece this morning. But here Jesus brings those two worlds together. And he's saying, you know what it's all about? It's about you Knowing the Father, measure one, and that you knowing me, and then measure two, when you've done that, the works of the Father will be in your life, and you will live like I have with all of those works being completed. Ephesians 2, my life scripture, I think, I preach about this so often, you guys probably should know it. Anyone? Okay. Ephesians 2 says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, our position is secure, For good works, which he has prepared for us beforehand, so that we may walk in them. Our position is righteous in our hearts before Christ. And then there are the good works that we need to walk in. This piece of passage starts with the first few verses saying, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. We looked at this in week one, that when Jesus said, That whomsoever believes in me will be saved and will not perish, That the word believes means handing over control to Christ Jesus and he says again don't let your hearts be troubled because you are believing in me Con- continue in the belief of God continue to ring- relinquish control of your life over to Jesus and then this beautiful promise that in my father's house there are many rooms if there's one building project that's going to make it on time it's the one in heaven <laughs> Jesus has since And he says here, for however long, been preparing a place with many rooms for each one of us. And again, I want to go back to the questions and start. Why are we scared for this day when it's going to be a day where Jesus is going to take and say, look at the house I built for us. And we're going to go into this glorious dwelling in heaven, which he has prepared for us so deeply. That word prepared in the Greek means he's made it fit. It is on hand and ready And it's perfectly suited. Isn't that beautiful? So the house in heaven is fit. It's on hand and ready. If Jesus comes today, it'll be done. And it's perfectly suited for each one of us. The second part, I want those scriptures up again. It says, And if I go, I prepare a place for you. I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said, Lord, we do not know where you are going, How can we know the way? Jesus is clear by this time. He's saying, guys, I've spent so much time for you. You do know the answers. You do know the way. And yet Thomas is stepping back and saying, I'm not sure yet. How do I know the way? And I thought about that in our walk. Isn't that how we often walk with Jesus? We know what the answer is. We know what the word clearly says. And yet we go back like this book said and like, uh, let me go think about that for a minute or I am not completely sure of my salvation. So what we do is week in and week out, we we jump forward at the altar call because I need Jesus to save me again, but he saved you at the start. Now you should just run in the righteous works that he has put before you. But we like Thomas stay back and say, Jesus, I just wanna make sure that I do know the way. And Jesus then says, Thomas, I have showed it to you. And he made sure that they know it again. In the next verse, he says, And he makes the most compelling statement to all of human history, that I am Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. And no one gets to the Father except through me. I love what Dave is doing with reasonable faith and saying, this is what we believe as Christians, that there's one way to God, and it's through Jesus Christ. That's the only one. If you want to get to the Father, you need to go through Jesus. And he makes that statement boldly in saying, I have showed it to you. And then he says, if you had known me, there it is, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. We can be sure of our position in Jesus Christ because we know Jesus Christ. And it's not just our acts of religion, but these authentic relationships. And then he speaks about how he has shown the father To his followers, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father. Again, that doubting space. I'm not sure that I understand this. Am I I completely clear on what you want to say to me, Jesus? Show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long? Have you heard so many sermons? Have you been around church for such a long time and you still don't know me? That shocked me this week. I thought about my own life. Jesus, is that even possible? Whosoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? And just like Christ has shown the Father to his disciples, we need to show Christ to the world. That's what it is to live in righteous deeds, which he's gonna measure us when he comes back. And then he says this the words that I say to you I do not speak of my own authority that's a huge sense of relief to me even this morning it's not peer preaching i'm just pointing you to the word this is jesus and he's saying not even these words are my authority belongs to the father in heaven but the father who dwells in me and then he says the father dwells in me does his works In other words, Jesus has relinquished control. You see how all of these ends come together on what we're speaking about. And he says, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. And then he ends with this beautiful declaration at the end. Truly, truly, not just once, I wanna bring this to your attention and I'm speaking truth here and I'm affirming that I'm speaking truth. Twice I'm gonna say, truth, truth, I say to you, Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Knowing Jesus and showing Jesus is the essence of Judgment Day. That's it. It's as simple as that. When he returns, he's gonna say, Pierre, that you know me Because if you knew me, you would have done the will of the Father. And then secondly, he's going to say, you know what, let's look at your life and let's measure that. You did reach out when I asked for help. You were there when I was broken. And then he, he ends with this compelling statement saying, you, that's us, the church, the body of Christ, will do far greater deeds. And I studied that word this week to understand what that means when Jesus says that. And it means this. Your works will exceed mine and it will stretch wider than what I did on this earth. Isn't that profound? Think about the life of Jesus. He loved his enemies, he sought out the least, he gave food to the hungry. He was deeply compassionate. He set those in captivity free. He broke the indifference of classes and race. He proclaimed the truth. He loved deeply. He gave freely. He forgave completely. He welcomed sinners. He healed the diseased. He never complained. He always rejoiced. He knew the power of prayer. He obeyed the Father. He bound up the brokenhearted. He walked in light and he laid down his life. That's the Jesus we serve, and that's the Jesus this morning that says, Know me, and then through your life, I will show myself to this world. And in one day, in eager anticipation, when I return, you will be ready, and I will say, Blessed are you, come into the rooms that I've created for you. And that stirs in me a passion and a zeal and a joy that I can't contain. And this is the message that we need to run with when you think about eternity. And I know this teaching was a lot to get through to get to this point. But that's the only thing I want you to leave with this morning. It's knowing Jesus and showing Jesus. If you do those two things, there's gonna be a joy stirring up in your heart for that glorious day that he comes. And you're gonna say, Jesus, you weren't in South Africa. You've placed me here. And in my world, the deeds that you couldn't have done Even though the Gospel of John ends with the words that if I had to write down all the things that Jesus has done, not all the the books in the world could not contain it. That's the very last verse in the Gospel of John. I read it this week, and that really impacted me. And then Jesus says, you people are going to do much more. So when he returns, you're going to say, Jesus, I knew you. I gave my life. You cleansed me from my sin. You're not coming back today to deal with my sin again. We've been there at the cross. Now, Jesus, let's look at my life. Let's look at it together. I have been faithful in my country in South Africa or the nation that you've called me to. And I've responded and I said, Jesus, I wanna walk in the righteous deeds that you have for me. So I come with joy and celebration into the kingdom of heaven for eternity. Let's pray together. Lord, in a moment like this, we we investigate so much in our own lives. Your word stands up like a mirror for us to look into and say, I need to realign, or I am aligned, or I'm completely out of line. Lord, and you know every heart here this morning. You know exactly where they are in alignment to your words this morning, Jesus. Jesus. I thank you, first of all, that you have made it so clear and simple that your return is going to be as beautiful as that. I thank you this morning, Lord, that we on this earth where we are distant from the eternal perspective, we have the ability to completely know you because of the work that you have done. Lord, and I thank you that you have given each one of us a glorious life and a clear purpose in this world that we live in. Thank you, Lord, that those works are created for us and that we can walk in them. And I pray that we as a people would live in a way that Jesus is showed to this world beautifully and they can't help but become followers of Christ. Lord, we think this morning of the billions around the world while we worship on a Sunday morning whose worship is not directed to you. Lord, I pray that in our hearts, You would stir again a passion to take your name to the nations, to take your gospel message to our neighbor. Lord, to start in our very homes with our very families, to sit around your word and say, let's know Jesus and let's learn what it is to show Jesus to the world. Lord, I pray that we would leave here this morning with a sense of expectation that that beautiful day is gonna come and with passion we look to the heavens and the skies when you're gonna return and we're gonna enter into the complete work that you have for us. I pray this morning, Lord, as Peter and Katie led us, Lord, if we have lost hope, that hope would rise up again in our hearts today, that the Christ that we put our lives in is secure and the Father is in him and he's in the Father and today our position is in Christ And as Colossians say, that Christ dwells in us. What a beautiful affirmation again this morning that we don't have to fear. Even though the world gives way, we will not fear. Even though the earth and the heavens are shaken, that which is of your kingdom will not be shaken. And I pray this morning, Lord, that we would again and afresh sign up to be people of your kingdom who know you with all of our hearts, and show you to the world with all of our hearts. And we pray that prayer in Jesus' name. And we all say, amen.